You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly speaking to you from sunny Southern California here at the Internet Law Center in Santa Monica. Glad you can join us. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about the latest Google controversies. Um, we could spend quite a lot of time um, doing that over, over the years, but um, we have some fresh ones to talk about. We're also going to be talking about um, online gambling and its resurgence in the United States. Um, today is is Lent is the first day of Lent? It's Ash Wednesday, and um, it's a very holy day, and a number of people are observing that. And on this this holy day, and if we try to um, address the the questions about Google, um, we need to. Where else would one go for guidance but to to seek guidance from Providence? And we're not talking about divine providence. Um, we're talking about Providence, Rhode Island, once again. And uh, our guest is Robert Ellis Smith. Um, he is a, a journalist and lawyer um, who is the publisher of Privacy Journal, a monthly newsletter on privacy. And um, he has um, been known, he has published the works such as Ben Franklin's website, Privacy and Curiosity from Plymouth Rock to the Internet. Um, and the New York Times has called and said that he sounds the alarm about maintaining freedom and privacy in the computer age and called him a principal critic. Privacy Journal has been called a privacy watchdog, according to Time Magazine, and he's been asked to write the definitive statement on privacy in the last two editions of the World Book Encyclopedia. Um, and more importantly, um, Mr. Smith is a Hoya lawyer as well. So, um, great pleasure to introduce to you Bob Smith. Are you with us? I'm happy to join you. 
Thank you. I'm glad you're here. And um, I'm sure in your journal you must have uh, quite a amount of ink devoted to Google. We have indeed. We, you know, we track these over the years, and I think Google probably has appeared in our pages more in the last four years than any other uh, brand name. Uh, Facebook is, a, is running in second, I would say. But uh, Google's yeah. audacity in the privacy realm uh, is uh, awesome. So there's two things that the current in the blog we we list a number of things that have occurred in the past from Google Street View to Buzz, which they have an FTC consent decree. But um, the the two big things that have really got Google in trouble now are the the incident with Safari browser and um, its changes to its privacy policy. Let's start with Safari. Um, what what is your take on that? Well, it could be illegal actually. Uh, Safari is a, uh, uh, a web browser for Apple and used in virtually all uh, apps, I believe, on handheld devices. Uh, Google runs ads. It, uh, years ago, it purchased a company called DoubleClick, which is a very sophisticated electronic advertiser, which uh, not only places cookies on uh, individuals' uh, computers, but also tracks uh, people's uh, keyboard activity there browsing around the web in order to target advertising to them more precisely. Google had been uh, leaving uh, a cookie uh, on uh, handheld devices in the process. Now, people might expect that when they visit a website, but I don't think they expect it when they click on an ad that they might see. Uh, that's what uh, Google had been doing when it was found doing it. It said it was going to stop, it was going to reconsider, which has been the pattern over the years, that it seems to be uh, right on the edge of... Uh, privacy laws, and whenever there's publicity about it, uh, Google backs off and at least says it's, it's reevaluating it. Uh, so this is an entirely new use of cookies. Um, when cookies first were, came to the uh, people's attention, nobody knew anything about them, and that when you traveled around the web, you left a tiny little uh, code on your computer that indicated that you had visited that website. Uh, by and large, they're very helpful to uh, web browsers because they help you uh, get to a site faster and get to the products that you're interested in uh, directly without going through a lot of uh, preliminaries. But here is an entirely new use of uh, of cookies that we didn't know about. And um, the the thing was also that was the privacy settings, the default privacy settings for Safari were to block such cookies, right? Well, exactly, yeah. And so Google deliberately found a way around this. They successfully did that. But uh, Apple had constructed this app to make it extremely difficult to uh, leave uh, uh, cookies uh, uh, on one's uh, handheld device. Now, Google's response was this was just accidental. Hard to believe, how, how you know, after you uh, uh, Safari was designed to make it difficult to leave cookies and that Google took extra steps to circumvent uh, those protections, uh, it's pretty hard to believe. I just as I don't really believe that Google accidentally uh, collected the web, the Wi-Fi information in many, many countries, not just the United States, when it sent its little um, Volkswagens around the country uh, taking all those photographs for Street View. I don't believe that was accidental. I don't believe this was accidental. And, and, um, and the Wi-Fi incident, you know, they were collecting... The, they were basically doing a census of Wi-Fi you know, networks that were out there, so they would get your home Wi-Fi network. But weren't they also collecting data transmitted by those networks too? 
They were indeed. It wasn't just uh, uh, router addresses, but also some of the data that was sent across those routers, including the content of email. That seems to me to violate the uh, uh, Electronic Surveillance Act, which prohibits the interception of content uh, transmitted electronically without the consent of uh, at least one individual. Um, but uh, the United States government has chosen not to prosecute Google. Uh, and Well, there is a, a consent decree with the FTC, though, in place for Buzz. And let's talk about Buzz just very briefly. You know, what, why was it that um, there was an FTC consent decree for Buzz? Well, Buzz was a little different. This is not the interception of communications, but uh, the uh, marketing of um, a, uh, a blog and, and social media uh, uh, utilization that actually disclosed or collected the content information in one's computer, one's address book, and uh, lists of those to whom one had contact. And it also uh, collected uh, the user's location as well. Uh, this was done in contravention of what Google's uh, own announcement about the product was. In other words, they they violated uh, the promises they made with regard to the security of the product. That's what brought them into the Federal Trade Commission's realm. The Federal Trade Commission enforces fair trade laws that say that you can't promise one thing to a consumer and then deliver something else. That's a deceptive trade practice. Uh, there was a complaint by a uh, activist privacy group called the Electronic Privacy Information Center, EPIC, in Washington. Uh, EPIC also filed suit, uh, but EPIC filed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission, and uh, last fall, the, uh, or, yeah, last fall, the, uh, Google entered into a, a final settlement with the Federal Trade Commission that simply obviates the need to go to court, in which Google agreed to uh, not do some of the things that it had been doing, like collecting address book information on uh, on Google Buzz customers. Uh, the Epic uh, lawsuit uh, was, was also uh, settled, too, and there were um, awards made, actually, in that to various privacy advocacy groups as part of the, uh, the damages in the settlement. Now, it's interesting that you talk about Epic, because Epic has been all over the latest actions, and particularly to step back, go on to, you know, Google is now updating its privacy policies. If you go to, if you go to Google, you'll get a notice that, you know, we're updating our policies, you know, here, click here. And, um, and they've had that for several weeks now. Um, they're updating what they, they currently have, they say, about 80 privacy policies covering all the different services and applications into one uniform policy, which in, in many respects is, is a good thing. It creates, you know, it's easier to understand, but they're also consolid, you know, there's going to be greater consolidation of information across various Google platforms, which has led Epic to um, argue to the FTC that it violates. Um, their consent decree, and I believe the FTC recently said to Epic, um, butt out. Well, the FTC said, yes, you don't have standing to raise this. Only the Federal Trade Commission can complain to a court that its settlement uh, decree is not being uh, uh, obeyed. But, um, and the, uh, Google's revised, cons I call it consolidated privacy policy, in fact, has been completed. It is due to go into effect March 1. The right. European Privacy Commissioners, actually, uh, each European country has a privacy czar who looks after these things, and they have asked uh, Google to delay that, and Google, in turn, told them very quickly to get lost. They intended to um, 
make those policies effective March 1. And you're right, the, the consolidation could be a good thing for consumers. It does make life easier. Many, many people new to the Internet perhaps think that Google only provides a search service, but it does much more than that. It provides a, a blog. It provides a social media site. It provides email. Uh, it collects information about people making searches and provides that to advertisers. And it had different privacy policies for all those different applications. And, and now YouTube, uh, perhaps understanding that it consolidated the privacy policy so that one policy applies to all. But it also authorizes Google now to make exchanges uh, among uh, all of uh, its different products uh, and make, for instance, take information from a search user and uh, take it over to Gmail and try to sell the Gmail product to those those users and vice versa. And um, there was some concern that, well, one, that not all applications in Google, there were some applications where you registered that they, um, while Google, for the most part, had disclosed that they were going to share information across the platform, that may not have been the case for all of their offerings. And there's some concerns about whether or not the new privacy policy violates prior promises. And I think Epic was going, that's part of the point Epic was trying to raise. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think Epic's um, uh, um, options are not limited to just appealing to the Federal Trade Commission, which apparently has told the court that it thinks Epic has no business in this particular controversy, but Epic had a lawsuit of its own, and we'll see. Maybe they'll try to reopen that one in order to uh, uh, make that point that this constitutes a violation of what Google had promised in its settlement decree, which I think lasts at least one decade, maybe two. Um, yeah, the usually consent decrees are, are two decades. Um, just so people who are listening are clear, when we talk about Epic, uh, we're not talking about movies or romantic comedies or anything like that. Um, Epic is the Electronic Privacy Information Center, and if you want information on them, they're at epic.org. So, um, and looking at this, these two events in, in combination, um, and it, it's interesting. The timing of it is interesting because you know Google had just had a a rare moment of great publicity. Um, you know, the the whole battle of a SOPA was initially set up for um, by the SOPA proponents to be set up Google as the the arch enemy of um, from counterfeiting and um, more or less use them as a quote a political pinata, as one Republican referred it to, um, and and all of a sudden there's this huge backlash. Um, against SOPA, and Google comes out smelling like roses, and then a mere three weeks later, we have both of these controversies. Um, what what do you think of Google's standing in in Washington, and you know, is there something that needs to be done to address what, what, what Google's trying to do? Well, this could well be related to the uh, going public of Facebook as well. It's interesting that you've got Facebook, uh, essentially a social media site, essentially for younger people, competing with Google, which is essentially a, a search service for all age groups. But um, in the high-tech world, uh, these titans quite often clash because they get into uh, products that are quite allied and they, they rival each other. And so that may be one of the factors um, that may have something to do with the timing. But uh, my experience is that uh, Google, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, they're pretty well tone deaf with regard to the sensitivity of timing some of these announcements 
And uh, secondly, uh, they really are tone deaf with regard to privacy. They they really don't have a clue as to exactly what the privacy complaints are and why people are worried about it. We should also remember, too, that the flap over Safari was not released by Google uh, voluntarily. Uh, it uh, it was written up in the in the Wall Street Journal, and that's been true of a lot of these other disclosures. Uh, Google may have a high-powered, well-paid PR staff, but most of the bad news about Google comes uh, through leaks and through enterprising reporters. And um, yeah, I mean, if you get, if you're you got to keep in mind. I mean, the, the Safari browser thing had been going on for some time before it was discovered. Um, By a Stanford it, graduate student, I believe. Yes, um, and it's. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 shocking in a way, given that, like as you said, I, how credible can that be that that's an accident when um, you, you had to take so so many steps to make that happen? And it, it it's interesting coming from a company whose motto is, you know, do no evil. Yeah, true. It, it astounds me that companies like these that have so much invested in uh, not only high tech but user acceptance, where it's quite possible people could decide to go to other uh, customer, uh, other companies. Uh, their their hold on um, all these billions of dollars they're making is tenuous indeed, and they don't still see that it could be privacy that will doom them. And they uh, have only lately, both Google and Facebook, appointed privacy officers, which is something that hospitals and other companies have done to try to anticipate these crises and anticipate consumer needs. Privacy is, is so crucial to acceptance of these social network sites and search engines that you would think they would devote more attention to it into understanding exactly what it is people are getting at. But instead, the big executives in Silicon Valley uh, really disdain privacy. They claim it for themselves. You won't find much about them on their own uh, uh, Facebook pages, etc. But um, they, uh, they disdain it for us but uh, they certainly grab it for themselves. Um, we're going to take a short break. Um, when we come back, um, we'll have Bob Smith, and we'll be talking about Google and um, privacy after these messages from Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. As you know, being an expert at f <gasps> What did she say? Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f Whoa! You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f performance to the next level. The language! Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on Aquizio. Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Aquizio.com to get a demo today. Aquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. 
It's time for the 2012 SCS Conference and Expo to make its way back to the Big Apple, New York City. SCS New York 2011 makes its way to the New York Hilton March 19th through the 23rd. SES New York 2011 will feature over 70 sessions, nearly 100 exhibitors, and networking opportunities with thousands of marketing and search engine optimization professionals. SES New York 2011 will start with a high-profile opening keynote from Google's digital marketing evangelist, Avinash Kaushik. Don't delay. Come to SES New York 2012, March 19th through the 23rd, inside the New York Hilton. Register right now at searchenginestrategies.com. That's searchenginestrategies.com. On the road, on the boat, working out, or up in the air. Now you can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on the go from anywhere. Look for WebmasterRadio.fm on TuneIn. Available for download on your iPhone, iPad, BlackBerry, Android, Palm, Samsung, and Windows Phone as well as Google TV, Yahoo TV, and Roku. Tune in to WebmasterRadio.fm on the go from anywhere by downloading TuneIn right now. WebmasterRadio.fm. We really are everywhere. Start your search engine and send your servers into overdrive. It's WebmasterRadio.fm steering you into the winner's circle. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly. Um, We're from the Internet Law Center. We have um, Bob Smith, who is the publisher of the Privacy Journal in Providence, Rhode Island. And um, Bob is a, a grad of Georgetown Law um, as well, and um, we've been talking about Google, and um, I guess I'm kind of reminded of the the sound of music. How do you solve a problem like Maria? And I, in the internet, I guess it would be Google. Um, you know, Google's been you know, a great um, tool for so many, but it, it, is Google getting too big? What do you think? Well, Bob? I don't know whether I'll answer that, but I think you put your finger on something. It's they they put out very popular product. Uh, um, Products. Uh, people like to search by Google. It's automatic. It's now a verb in our language. And so I think uh, government agencies are reluctant to go after a company that uh, has been successful, that hires a lot of people, and especially that uh, puts out a very popular product. Uh, by the way, for those who don't know, Microsoft has uh, uh, Bing, which is a competing uh, uh, search engine that they can use. Uh, and uh, it, in Europe, there's a uh, another product, uh, I. Quicks, I believe it's called. Somebody email me, I'll tell you. But it allows for privacy in uh, email in uh, in searches. Uh, when you search on the internet, uh, this this company will insulate your search so that nobody's going to harvest information from it to send you ads. Now, what what do you use as a search engine? I use Google. I don't think that the uh, collection of information about my searches is particularly threatening because I'm not what I search. Uh, but, of course, I'm a journalist with endless curiosity, and uh, I, I search a lot of sites where that I don't endorse, that I don't read, but I do it to gather information. And I, I just think that the um, cumulative 
list of all the places I go to search. Uh, uh, in fact, disguise sensitive searches that I make. I, I don't see how they can be very helpful. I think Gmail is a much more uh, threatening product. I think Street View is a much more threatening product. I spent a year trying to get Street View to remove its image of my host house uh, because, first of all, it promised it would do so. But secondly, I regarded it as an invasion of privacy because my house is so intimate to me. I created it or I, I designed it or I, I, I made it my own, and I don't think it's right that Google can make a buck off something that is my private residence. I suppose with drones in the air now, we're going to start seeing air views of people's homes as well as street views. But anyway, well, did, uh, um, did they remove Google your house? Always, I know they have removed me. some. Excuse me? Have they removed your house? Because I know they have removed some. They have, yes, finally. Okay, and each they, they the blur it out. Effect? It just took uh, uh, a long time, to, and I had to deal with uh, Google executives. I couldn't get it done through their normal channels. I tried it with Bing, and Bing does not have that policy. They won't remove your house. Oh. And are you, have you heard of the Streisand effect? No. Um, Barbara Streisand objected because um, her home, an aerial view of her home, was posted on Google um, because there's a on a website that that the, the under a contract with the California Coastal Commission does a survey of the California coastline every five years, and so there were thousands of pictures, and one of them or two of them maybe had Streisand Malibu home. And she objected, and interestingly enough, in her, she actually filed a lawsuit saying, you know, we have no way of knowing how many people um, have actually downloaded this picture as a result. And uh, through the course of litigation, they discovered just how many that was. And it was six, and half of them were her lawyers. Um, but as a result of the lawsuit, um, that website got um, close to um, three-quarters of a million hits um, the very next month. So it's been... the, the kind of that reaction to um, shining a light on something you, you want to be kept private has been called the Streisand effect. I see. I don't think American courts will go along with my theory, but uh, overseas they do, and in Canada they do believe that as an intrusion. Now, um, you've been in covering this area for some time, and you've wrote, written some of the earliest books on privacy. And if you, were, if you met Larry Page and had you know, two minutes with him, what would you say, tell him? I tell him to look to Canada, to look to the Privacy Commissioner of Ontario, who has a concept called Privacy by Design. Incorporate it into your products before they're produced. Don't make it an afterthought. Uh, be as transparent as possible. Let people correct information about themselves. Understand that just encrypting your email is not the end of the privacy debate, that there are a lot of other things that people care about. And don't apply privacy principles to information that is benign and, and uh and harmless, uh, remember that there's lots of sensitive information, medical information, sexual information, family information that people want to protect. And uh, they're not protecting it because they've done something wrong, as uh, Larry Schmidt, your uh, uh, CEO, said at one point. People don't pr pr protect privacy because they have done bad things, but bad things have happened to them. And it's interesting, the, the concept of privacy by design, while I'm sure it's been around for a while, really got a lot of um, movement in response to Google's buzz. Because you know, I've heard a number of regulators say it seems like the idea was let's put, put this out in the marketplace and then deal with the privacy ramifications afterwards as is kind of like a, a bug, you know, a, you know, fixing a bug. 
Well, I think that's a fancy name for voluntary compliance, which uh, government regulators have been talking about for now 30 years in the privacy area. It only seems to be in privacy they have this great mantra about voluntary compliance. Uh, what we haven't done in this country, either private sector or governmental sector, is to nurture, to encourage development of uh, privacy products. Uh, it's called privacy-enhancing technologies. It's a big concept in Europe. Here, we don't do any of that. Well, um, we only have a few minutes left, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the Privacy Journal and, and how people can um, get access to it and, um, and what, you, what your next activity is. Thank you. It's, it's a monthly newsletter available hard copy or uh, in an electronic version by email. Our website is privacyjournal.net. It's a newsletter I started way before the Internet, way before email, way before Facebook, and that was in 1974. But I did anticipate this would be a big issue as technology increased. We try to cover new um, court cases, new litigation, new legislation, new public attitudes, new technologies that affect uh, the individual's right to privacy in its broadest sense. And we also publish reference books, including a, a compilation every year of all the laws, state and federal, that protect your privacy. Uh, by going to privacyjournal.net, you'll find uh, an email address where you can reach me. We'll be happy to send your listeners a sample copy of the newsletter. They can take a look at it. And All of our books are uh, not only available on hard copy, but uh, uh, digital form as well and available for apps uh, on handheld devices and uh, readers like Kindle and, and, and uh, Nook. Well, uh, that's really great. And you're also the, uh, the publisher of um, a quiz book on Block Island Trivia. Um, yeah, as a Rhode Islander, you would pick that up. I'm glad you did. Block Island's a tiny little spot in the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, I've had a house there for many years and been fascinated by it. And I uh, produced several editions of a book called Block Island Trivia, which is a quiz game about it. Anybody who has visited the island, I think, would, uh, would find it a lot of fun. It's got questions for kids and adults about all aspects of this tiny little island. It's only four by seven miles, so... But it's I a great. I've been there, and what's interesting is, you know, Rhode Islanders generally don't like to travel far, and there are a lot of Rhode Islanders who, even though this thing is 12 miles off the coast, have never even been, and You're it's a beautiful right. island, and uh, I really enjoy going there. So I was well, glad, glad to, to see that. that. So one last question: When um, you being a Georgetown law grad, when Georgetown plays Providence, who do you root for? I think I have to say Georgetown. I'm a little oh. bit moved by uh, the Hoyers and. Uh, their logo. Uh, I got really into it when they were big into the NCAAs. But I'm also a Harvard graduate, and uh, I have uh, fallen into linsanity 24 hours a day. Uh, that's been a huge <laughs> thing for those of us who suffered through Harvard basketball, which was forgettable for about 75 years. And we're finally seeing a Harvard graduate who's making it in the NBA. So that's my current interest. Well, that's, that's good. It has been exciting. Well, thank you very much, Bob. I appreciate you joining us, and I hope you consider joining us again. Everyone, this is Bob Smith, and um, the Privacy Journal publisher from Providence, Rhode Island. And when we come back, oh, do we have our next guest, Brasco? You'll have to tell me who that is. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, when we come <laughs> back after this break, um, we'll be um, talking to um, our guest on online gambling um tim parilla after these messages stay tuned for more of the cyber law and business report after this brief recess for our sponsors 
Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. In 500 yards, CPA Way will be on your right. You have reached your destination. On the interstate of internet marketing, CPA Way helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, CPA Way is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most valued campaigns. The road to trust, respect, integrity, and honor is just ahead at CPAWay.com. Superior Affiliate Offers Superior Affiliate Brands Superior Affiliate Service That's Superior Affiliate Management Superior Affiliate Management delivers direct exclusive offers with weekly payouts Their mission is to ignite your e-commerce and ignite your commissions Superior Affiliate Brands means our work with the Internet Retailer's Top 500 as well as new brands thanks to their full service agency and CPA network Superior affiliate service means lifetime bonus referrals and personal VIP treatment. When you hear Superior Affiliate offers, Superior Affiliate brands, Superior Affiliate service, that's SAMOPM.com. And now, spanning the globe to give you the most in-depth coverage of events that matter to you. Webmaster Radio... Get the latest news every hour at 35 and 55 minutes past the hour, only on webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. As you know, being an expert at f- What did she say? Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f- Whoa! You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f- performance to the next level the language of course we're talking about managing facebook ads on a quizio oh buy track manage optimize and report on media across all major ad networks visit aquizio.com to get a demo today aquizio search social display one platform Radio's Virtual Autobahn. WebmasterRadio.fm. Moving at the speed of light. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly, um, host of Cyberlong Business Report, and we're here for the second segment, um, which we're going to talk about the revival of online gambling in the U.S. And um, so I didn't know you were joining us for a revival, but um, continuing our religious theme, I guess. And we have as a guest 
I'm Tim Perilla, and Tim um, is in-house counsel um, for Everest Gaming, a leading European-facing online poker and casino operation. Um, and he's also um, he came to the industry somewhat through an, an, an unorthodox route. Um, he basically um, took a two-week um, temporary assignment and uh, helping the company move. And um, he basically um, met the COO who said, you know, come on board. And um, so Tim's been following this issue very closely. Um, Tim, are you with us? I am, yes. Um, thank you for joining us, and I appreciate you, you coming on board here. Now, uh, Tim, you, you, your three years in, in working in this space, um, the, the first couple of years were, were, were pretty dark years for in terms of U.S. gambling. Yeah, they uh, they really were. I, I guess first of all, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's great. It's always fun to talk about the industry. It's a it's an interesting industry, and it's constantly uh, uh, you know from from a lawyer's perspective, there's always something going on, and, and everything's evolving pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, the um, you know the as far as U.S. gaming, um, it's it's been pretty difficult. I mean, you've had. You know, you uh, recently the uh, the indictments of full tilt poker stars and absolute poker. Um, but you know, prior to that, we had a couple of settlements with payment processors and party gaming back in uh, 2006, 2007, uh, uh, just after the passing of the UIGEA. Um, but you know, I mean, the 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 laws here in the U.S. have been pretty ambiguous. Um, to a certain extent, and, and open to some interpretation. So you have a group of operators who took a pretty conservative approach to uh, operations in the U.S., and then you have some others who, uh, you know, who obviously didn't. And um, you know, so so it's uh, but it's become more interesting since then. So. Now, um, when I talk about you know, UIGA, the UGA, that's the Unlaw um, Internet Gambling and Enforcement Act. Yes, yes, unlawful uh, gambling enforcement act. So, and so, what's um, what's changed um, the the landscape here in the United States is a, a recent um, decision by the Justice Department that um, state um, that states are allowed to um, have on if it's if there's a lawful if something is lawful under state law it is not prohibited by UGA. Yeah, there actually is a carve out in, in the uh, the UIGA um, for for lawful intrastate uh, gaming, but there there's always been a question as to whether the Wire Act um, kind of how the Wire Act I guess um, interplays with the UIGA. Um, the strict interpretation of the Wire Act is uh, historically has been that it applies to all forms of gambling, and that. Um, in the event that a wire transfer goes outside of the state lines in any way, um, that this implicates the Wire Act and, and uh, you know brings in a federal federal offense. Um, back in December, however, the uh, the Department of Ju- the Office of Legal Counsel of the Department of Justice issued an opinion letter uh, at the request of the Illinois and New York state lotteries. Um, the Illinois and New York state lotteries wanted to start offering. Um, Offering the ability for their customers to purchase lottery tickets online, and um, and ultimately the concern of these state lotteries was the Wire Act, um, and so the I think the scope of the opinion is really um, you know and and 
some of my uh, some of my colleagues in the industry may hate me for saying this, but uh, you know, really, the scope of the opinion is merely whether the lotteries in offering online uh, online ticket sales are in violation of the Wire Act. And ultimately, the analysis came through, and I think the analysis was really solid that indeed the Wire Act does not uh, does not encompass this activity. Now, I think where where the industry um, the industry has really kind of taken a bit of a liberty, and and of course it's it's because the opinion itself said so that the Wire Act only applies to sports betting. Now, if you if you read the opinion letter, the analysis is is relative in my mind is relatively conclusive. There it says lotteries do not apply, uh, or the Wire Act does not apply to the lo- online lottery ticket sales. Therefore. The Wire Act only applies to sports betting. Um, I think I think there's a gap there, and um, you know it, it doesn't really uh, the the analysis isn't thorough enough uh, in my mind for that to be um, you know a hundred percent bulletproof, I guess so to speak. Now the result of all this is that states are moving forward with authoring offering online gambling products. Right, right. States, well, state lotteries, uh, state lotteries, yes, and a lot of states are moving forward and uh, pushing pushing pieces of legislation um, to to regulate intrastate online poker, and um, it, it it'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the what the next state is. I mean, ultimately. Um, the uh, Nevada came out um, some time ago with regulations um, governing online interstate uh, gaming, and um, and this year they actually finally implemented the the regulations. And so um, we'll we'll see who goes next. And there's a lot of talk about kind of the the interstate uh, interstate compacts and things like this that that may or may not uh, may or may not take place. But um, you know, I, I think the landscape. Uh, the, the landscape is going is going going to be a very interesting year year and a half um, on a state by state basis. Now, one thing that that happened was the District of Columbia, which was going to be one of the early states to jump in, all of a sudden reversed course and decided to pull out. Um, what 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 was behind that? Do you know? I d- I don't know for sure. I mean, a lot of people have speculated. There's there's basically two schools of thought out there right now. Um, one school says that online poker is going to uh, be regulated at the federal level, and another school says it's going to be regulated at the state level. Now, if you look at what happened in Washington, I believe that that um, the the legalization of online gambling and um, you know and and ultimately signing on the uh, the Greek uh, casino supplier online supplier company I forget the name of it, but that was that was done very quickly. And um, and almost with no process whatsoever. So when the council um, when the council sort of reconvened to to discuss this issue, they said, "Wait a minute, wait. We have to we have to actually really fully vet this and and perhaps even put it in front of voters before uh, before we we do anything before we make this kind of a jump." And the um, and and so so the council repealed it. Um, you know, some may speculate that that may be you know pressures from the hill. Or, you know, maybe maybe Washington wanted to just take a wait and see approach, see what happens, uh, see what happens with Nevada. I mean, especially with, you know, Harry Reid in the Senate, and um, 
you know, being a pretty influential figure. And uh, so uh, really, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what the motivations were behind the decision to repeal it. But I think, you know, I, I think ultimately there are probably some, uh, you know, some other considerations at play. So in looking at the business opportunity in the United States, whereas before companies were able to offer um, online gambling, you know, um, vehicles, you know, poker, et cetera, directly consumers, it seems that now, at least for the short term, um, they'll, they'll have to do it through in partnership with state lottery commissions. That's basically the landscape. Well, I, yeah, I think so. I, well, I think that with... Uh you know, you, you'll notice already um, most of the lotteries have uh, have private partners um, that that help them out, especially the states like Louisiana that have the VLTs and things like this. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, partnerships for for upcoming businesses with state lottery is always a good idea. Anytime you can get in good with effectively a governmental agency, and that's you know that's a pretty solid business model. You don't have to worry so much about not getting paid. Um, the interesting thing will be whether private operators have to partner with land-based casinos, and uh, I think I think really in any state that is going to regulate uh, regulate online gaming in any form, um, they're going to have to balance the interests of their land-based casinos, and it gets even more complicated when you start looking at the uh, the tribal interests. Um, that's I, I think I think it's going to be pretty. Uh, Pretty difficult, I guess, to to reconcile any new legislation with the um, with the rights of the the tribes. Or, or could the tribes also offer the same, make the same offerings, since they're they're considered it sovereign as well? That's that's what the uh, that's what the tribes are. are really fighting for right now and I know California everyone had speculated at the end of 2011 or mid uh, maybe third you know uh, third quarter beginning of the fourth quarter 2011 um, that California was going to be one of the one of the first states and most of in all honesty most of the country's poker revenue online poker revenue and and player bases in California um, and they they had shelved the issue in 2011, and saying that they were going to readdress it in 2012. And um, this year, there there's actually been a lot of um, uh, a lot of input from the uh, from the tribes in California about you know um, what what are their rights to exclusivity in certain classes of games, and you know what what does this mean? What what will the tribes get for poker? And will this cannibalize some of the tribal uh, tribal gaming establishments um, markets? So, yeah, I mean, I, I I think ultimately there has to be some sort of balance with the uh, with the tribal interests, and and there will be, but there it's not easy. It's not easy at all. I mean, in in doing that, you not only have state you know state laws, you also have the federal Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, the IGRA, um, that that you have to. Um, that you have to reconcile as well. So there are a lot of different things at play when it comes to the tribes. Now, but uh, you know, going to the um, kind of the, the jurisdictional limits, if Illinois, if they if they have offerings, if they have online poker at on you know, IllinoisLottery.com or wherever the hell the website is, and I go there, um, can I go there and, and gamble from California, or is it limited to Illinois residents? 
I think I think you're going to see a limitation. Uh, at least as of right now, you're going to see a limitation to um, to Illinois residents. Um, now, the actual wired communications, like whatever database, let's say let's say you you know the the Illinois lottery actually starts offering online poker. Somehow they're able to do this, and um, let's say their servers are in Texas, and so the actual gaming activity then at least arguably, would be taking place in Texas. So you have someone sitting in Illinois, their communication goes out to Texas, and then comes back to Illinois, right? And that that is not a violation of the wire. That's not transmission um, such that it would fall under the, the purview of the Wire Act. Now, when you have someone who's sitting in California, then... Uh, without without a state compact um, between California and Illinois, you're you're not going to be able to do that. Um, I think uh, I think there may be some you know constitutional some commerce clause issues with uh, with having someone in a state where the uh, where the activity is not regulated or is actually illegal um, participating in the activity uh, via some other state regulatory regime. Right, and then what about for the tribes? Um, well, I you know I think uh, I think the tribal the, the, this is a point of contention. The tribes want to be able to enter into those compacts with other states. You know, let's say let's say you are on tribal lands in California, and that is uh, uh, tribal lands that actually do offer gambling, um, online gambling. Under their own, you know, under their own license and and what have you, but the state of California hasn't regulated it. I think you see a, you see a big fight between the tribe and and the state at that point as to who really has the power. And um, you know, it, in all in all honesty, I don't I don't know where that one's going to come down, um, but but it definitely will be an issue. Now we don't have the time to go into this, but this you know looming in the background. Is the the long severing dispute between the United States and Antigua, where um, Antigua actually took the United States to the World Trade Organization and court and won, um, finding that we improperly uh, excluded foreign companies from our online gambling operations, um, specifically relating to off-track betting for horse racing, and um, so you know, they have a um, they're allowed to get several million a year. Um, and damages from the U.S., which I don't think they've ever collected, um, although they've been threatening to, um, they've been given permission to actually ignore copyright laws in order to recoup it. So that's all in the background, and you know, we just don't have time to get into that, but you know, it just creates one other layer of complexity to what sounds like a very complex picture. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. Now, um, where can people find more information about you and um, what's, what's your next um, presentation or anything else you get coming up? Uh, no, I mean, in all honesty, at this point, I had, um, you know, I had, I had hoped to be able to make it to the uh, iGaming North America conference in, in Las Vegas coming up in a couple of weeks here. Maybe it's about a week, but um, you know, honestly, there's uh, there's kind of a lot of stuff oper- operationally that uh, that I have going on here. I have uh, I have only one other attorney working with me um, in house, and you know, we have uh, we have about 200 people here in the office in Cambridge. So, I mean, outside of the gaming itself, just running a business and uh, and day in and day out stuff becomes very very uh, very very busy. So. Um, I don't have any any plans to uh, speak, but if anyone has any questions, they can uh, feel free to email me 
my email is timothy.perilla at gmail.com. Um, and that, uh, yeah, that's the best place to reach me. And, um, you know, if you, if you get a chance, check out, uh, check out Everest Poker or Everest uh, Casino. And uh, in the U.S., you can't play for real money, but you can check out our product and play, uh, you know, play for uh, free chips and, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, um, any any other questions, feel free to uh, feel free to get in touch with me. And I hope you consider joining us again. And I'm sure I'll be contacting you as well as this issue progresses. So I really appreciate it. Um, today is a significant day in history um, for at least for the United States. Um, 32 years ago, Al Michaels uttered one of the most famous lines in sports history when he said, Do you believe in miracles? Because um, today was the day the United States beat the Soviet Union in Lake Placid. And, and actually, uh, what people, few people remember is that actually was, they didn't win the gold medal with that game. That just allowed them to advance to play for the gold medal, which I think was against Finland or Sweden. And um, but it was quite an exciting game and a stunning upset. But I want to thank everyone for our uh, joining us today. And actually, um, I think uh, we may even have a clip. Roscoe. You know, it, it was a it's a great moment, and you know the the big mistake actually was the, you know, the Soviets took out their star goalie Tretiak, and I just remember as a kid in New England, I mean, he was the goalie everyone looked up to. Um, he was just an outstanding goalie, and just because he got lit up a little bit in the first period, they took him out. But um, yep. definitely a great moment in Olympic history. And um, so, in any event, um, this has been the Cyber Law and Business Report on webmasterradio.fm. You can find us here or on iTunes um, for free. And please spread the word and um, listen to our podcast. Um, this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center in sunny Santa Monica, California. Glad to be here and glad you could join us. Um, court is adjourned. And please join us next week when we'll be back at the same place talking about the latest in Cyber Law and Business. Thanks again. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.